You know how we're starting? How we're starting the podcast this yeah. week? No, I don't think about that shit anymore. <laughs> You're the, you make the things. You make the little bits at we the beginning. We did a whole year of little bits at the beginning. We did a whole, like, three years of little bits at the beginning. Maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. We don't do that no more. <laughs> I do that when it comes to me. I don't put do up a, that Put up a poll. See, do you, well, want, do you want the bits We're back? redoing a song this week. We are. Paint Tux Redux. I haven't, we'll listen to it later, but uh, the original opening bit to this episode was, I think, pretty funny. I don't know. We'll have to Is this when we go it. on a time machine or something? No, that oh. was, that was, uh, that was when we redid Hello McFly. Oh, right. That was back to the first pod. <laughs> I knew it was... I knew it was an 80s themed song. Right. That's true. Well, I don't know. No, we don't do bits no more. <laughs> we can take your we can take your uh we can take your spec bits for uh if you have ideas Ooh, good for call. future for opening bits. Let me know if you need an ac- you need to get need to get access to the list. <laughs> the list is out there. The song list is out there. I'm always Sending it to people on public tweets. I, I don't. It's it's a it's an open Google Doc that no one else can edit but us. So if you want to see how many songs we have left, just let me know. But no, I don't know. We're not doing that. Uh, we're talking about Pink Tux to the Prom. We're, we're still again. in front of the uh, the thing. I know. Well, how are oh, you doing? Okay. Oh, I'm good. How are you? Don't mind me. I just have the uh, the Bruins Panthers game up. I noticed that you have it in a picture in picture on your phone over your notes. <laughs> I do. There's three and a half minutes left in regulation. I need to see if the Bruins are taking it home tonight or not. As uh, this is this prom season. I know. I just realized like school's ending. Right, I like the summer's May. almost here. I think that's oh, May. Pre- oh, for proms. Oh no, proms happen around oh, April and oh, May. Right. This is kind of prom season. Prom season is in full swing, says penlive.com. This weekend's schedule and how to get your free high-res photo. I guess this has something to do with uh, something in Pennsylvania, some specific school. Penn Live is expanding its prom coverage in 2023, planning to send photographers to more than 50 different proms in seven counties across Pennsylvania, I suppose. Our coverage continues Friday in Cumberland Valley. And Northeastern, followed by Harrisburg Academy, Spring Grove. My prom photos are really weirdly washed out, and both my date and I kind of look like ghosts. I'm already a very pale individual, so like the washed out look does not help. I am gonna haunt your prom because I am pale. All right, well, we're doing I in Love with the 80s, Pink Tux to the Prom. On this week's Sadie Hawkins pod, <laughs> once again back <laughs> in episode 180, which is very fortuitous, very serendipitous. I didn't plan it that way. Here on Sadie <laughs> Hawkins pod. And I'm only gonna pierce my left ear and I've been working on this mustache all summer long and my favorite band will always be Tears for Fears and I'm gonna wear a pink tux to the Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello. I thought you were going to do it again. Sadie Hawkins Pod. So I didn't. I did realize as we were getting ready to record this week's episode that 
you know, I said, I, I just picked it on a whim. I was like, let's redo In Love with the 80s Pink Tux to the Prom. I didn't realize it was episode 180, so that's fitting. And I didn't realize it's prom season. So this actually works out really well. Now, Jessica, do you? we still have top of the show business. Mm-hmm. But just to set up what we'll be doing for this episode, do you remember when we did our original Pink Tux to the Prom episode? It's pretty early. It was very it was first early. Year. It was kind of too early, which yeah. is why I knew this was an episode we would redo eventually. I think you you did it to appease me for some reason. I think you, I think you were just <laughs> actually. I'd have to look at what I, think I was having a, a sad week or something, and you you decided that we'd do that for fun. So it was episode fifteen. Whoa, that's so. <laughs> and we're early. now in episode one hundred and eighty. So early. It was episode fifteen, and it was back in it was back in October. Of 2019. I know. I wanted to do all sorts of cutesy little things talking about the 80s and you wanted no part of it. Well, so part of the reason we're redoing this episode is because when we finished that episode, I recall, and now I did realize it's almost been four years. But when we finished that episode originally, I just remember it being the first episode where things felt really rushed and like we didn't get in everything we wanted to get in. Right. I don't think we knew... Like, and I think it was a long episode. Let me see how long it was. Yeah, it was, from what I remember. It was That was like one of those almost three-hour ones, It was two it? hours. Oh, it was just two hours. <laughs> it was originally two hours. That's nothing. But I remember feeling like, <laughs> man, we're leaving so much on the table. And like, we did, you know, Deathbed. We did our full You and Me Deathbed episode, but I don't feel like we left anything on the table for what we, we want to talk about. Right. Like, you could technically do a Deathbed podcast, meaning like multiple episodes about that song. But I felt like we covered everything we wanted to talk about in Deathbed. We didn't cover everything we wanted to talk about with this song. Because it was still episode 15. And we kind of didn't have the full flow down yet. Right. So I knew we had to come. We, you, we both agreed we had to come back and do a part two. Took four years, but here we are. And at this point, the way I think of part... If this is just inside baseball. No one cares about this but me. But a part two on Sadie Hawkins' pod only counts if it's done like right away... Or pretty soon after. So I'm calling this, this is part of the Again series that we did with Hello McFly and uh, Batman Ride, <laughs> Chapstick Chaplets and things like chemistry. And we redid it with a couple of things. I just put the word again on the end. I sometimes try to get cute. I was always think about getting cutesy with the mm-hmm. names of the redo episodes. You've been calling this Pink Tux Redux for years. That's right. Yeah. I called it Pink Tux Redux. Well, then I got shy about calling it Pink Tux Redux. Because I was like, what if people see that episode title? And they're like, oh, there was a sequel. They'll think that's the song title. Like, oh, Pink Tux Redux? What if Pink that's Tux what Redux? Reliant K is working on right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, Blink One Eight Two is working on Blink One Eight Two is working on Anthem Part Three. Oh boy! Okay. <laughs> I mean, it might, I'm not saying it will be a bad song, but like, come on, you're going back to the well. First thing out of the gate, you're going right back in to make Anthem Part Three. No. Anyway, uh, here was we still have top. Of, no, no, no. We'll, we'll get back to that. I was going to play the bit from the original episode. Yeah, I did not go back and listen to the last episode or no, look at my how, notes. No, that's the thing is that's how I think we should do these redo episodes when we redo them is we will probably tread on the same ground if we go if we go back and listen to both episodes back to back after we finish recording this episode. 
we'll probably not be surprised by literally saying some of the same things as if they were new thoughts four years later. But that's not what we don't go back and double check what we thought. We let the thoughts be what they are today. Um, But before, so for top of the show business, (laughs) uh, Relying K, a little bit, just a little bit. Relying K has another festival booked. What? What? They are playing the Ohio is for Lovers Festival on September 9th in Cincinnati. That's coming up. That's not too far away. With Jimmy Eat World and Alkaline Trio playing. Headlining. Wow. So maybe we can get our- Is Jimmy Eat World from Ohio? No, it's just called the oh. Ohio is for Lovers Festival, oh. and it's in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, I see. I don't think you have you have to be. I thought you had to. Yeah. I thought they were doing a cutesy thing where it's like, hey, if you're a band from Ohio, we want you to come play this tour or whatever this show. And not even the headliners are from Ohio. Oh, it's just it's just a fun name. It's held oh, by right. apparently it's put on by Hawthorne Heights themselves. Cool. Well, it sounds great. And they're from Ohio. And Reliant K's from Ohio. I don't know what other bands on this list are from Ohio, but we did... Uh, is it, MGK going to be there? Is he from Ohio? Yeah. Let me find out. Hold on. There's Jimmy World, Under Oath, State Champs, Sayosin, Hawthorne Heights, which is funny that this is their festival, but they're third down on the list. I mean, I said more than three bands, but they're on the third line down. Right. Starting line, Reliant K, Kenny Hoopla... Four Year Strong, Jumpsuit Apparatus, Emery, Spitalfield or Spitalfield. I've never known how to say that out loud. And a bunch of other bands. <laughs> there's like there's like uh, eight other bands and I'm not familiar with them. So uh, Ohio is for Lovers Festival. So nice. maybe if we got our good friend Matt Skiba, headliner of the Ohio is for Lovers Festival, he can get us backstage. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey dear, Jessica, did you hear? <laughs> It's me, Matt Skiba, and I'm going to be playing the uh, the Ohio is for Lovers Festival. There. We could have done this at the beginning, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't show. No, no, no. I have a higher rate if you oh, want me in your opening your episode. So uh, yeah, it's me, Matt Skiba. I'm going to be playing the Ohio is for Lovers Festival. I'm not super excited about all the Christian bands on this lineup. I'm going to have to bring an extra strong sarcophagus <laughs> to protect me when I'm not on stage, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, to, to keep the powers of Satan from being overwhelmed. Of course, of course. By all those heavily Christian bands like Red Jumpsuit Apparatus and... <laughs> I don't know, is Starting Line Christian? I know they're not, but like, I def- they definitely feel like they're Christian, you know? Sure. Anyway, I'll I'll see you there. It's me, Matt Skiba, having a good old time in Ohio. Thanks for stopping by, Matt. I well, I gotta go. You're oh, kicking oh, me out. Sorry. All right, thought, fine. I thought you were just here for a minute. He's gone. He looked pissed. Oh, well. He's gonna curse us. That to be Jessica. fair, he's not the he's not the main Matt we want to get on the podcast. <laughs> sure, he is. He's not. He's not even in the top two. <laughs> I guess the top three. We'll give him that one. Yeah, we want to get. Uh, we want to get what's his name? <laughs> Good lord! Whatever. I was trying to think of a famous Matt. Anyway, and then Brian Fletcher tweeted at us after last week's episode for the Tears for Fears cover mm-hmm. and said that Reliant K did play. Do 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 to that one. <laughs> Head over heels. Head over heels. They did play Head Over Heels. Even though that's not the one they cover on K's for Karaoke? That's right. Well, we were talking about how like they never seem to have played 
everybody wants to rule the world live. Right. It turns out they did play a segment of Head Over Heels live oh, as the intro to this song we're talking about this oh, week. Oh, cool. So he sent us one particular video that he found, but the, nice. then I went to do the research for this week's episode and I found multiple other instances of them performing a section of Head Over Heels into In Love With The 80s Pink Tux of The Prom. I don't remember if I found those four years ago. But we're going to talk about it. We'll play it later on the episode. So thank you to Makes Brian sense. for pointing that out to us. Um, and that's all we have for top of the show business. There's no no voicemails. How are you feeling pregnancy-wise, Jessica? Doing pretty good. Um, I'm just trying to think. I was like, oh, my lower back was killing me earlier today. Went to the chiropractor. It was all good. Um, mainly because my neck hurt. Uh, but I let him adjust my, my lower half for the first time uh, today. I've been too afraid to let him do that so i did let him do that sadie hawkins pod is going to become a mommy blog we're going to be sadie hawkins mom (laughs) well anyway let's get into it in love with the 80s pink tux to the prom like i said originally episode 15 october 2019 here was the bit here was the actual opening bit that we did all right i'm not going to edit this in and we're only going to play it in the room we'll do an audio commentary on the original opening to this episode from october 2019 let's hear it hey danny check me out oops hold on oh good I'm lord in, i'm at point twenty five speed for... i was like whoa i just came at us with so much energy there <laughs> no it's, it's just sped up because i have it you know I, I listen to my podcast sped up okay i put on regular here this will be better uh there we go Hey, Danny, check me out. Oh, now you found sound drunk. What's the matter? <laughs> oh, that was 0.5 speed. Okay, hold on. This what? is correct. Here we go. This is correct. Uh, are you wearing an Ocean Pacific tee? Oh, shoot. Hold on. Okay, Danny. hold on. How do you use this app? Here we go. Okay, this is it for real. Hey, Danny, check me out. Uh, sorry, I had to pause. Because people who listen to us at a faster speed right. will be like, what is going on? <laughs> So you say, hey, Danny, check me out. And I say, what are you wearing? An Ocean Pacific tee? And then we'll let it play. Are you wearing an Ocean Pacific tee? Yep. Got it on eBay. Is that a skateboard? Yep. Found the old plank in the uh, attic. Is that a half pipe in our backyard? I've been working on it <laughs> We have all a backyard. <laughs> That's right. This Jessica, was a rare I, Jessica bit. Seem... <laughs> this was a bit that I came up with. Right. <laughs> Safe. You're not even wearing knee pads. Those are for noobs, Danny. Okay. So much effort for this opening. I'm gonna go do a 720 gazelle flip. That's very confusing language, but it does not sound safe. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Are you watching? Yeah, I'm watching. Okay. Okay. You couldn't do this pregnant now. Oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, Jessica. Oh, this is such a bad idea, Danny. Why'd you let me do this? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, this is oh my gosh. Oh, oh, you really injured. It's like an early family guy bit. I was going to say I vaguely sound like Morty. Oh, oh, I don't know, Rick. Oh. I don't know. Those seem fine. There is a bone underneath one of them, though, that is protruding out of the skin. I, can you just... Please, oh, too far, Jessica. <laughs> but your knees are fine. Yes, Danny, my knees are fine. Please get help. Oh, that was a close one. <laughs> get it? I'm yeah. like, oh, you didn't skin your knees. Good close one. I get it. 
Good times. So put so much effort into the podcast back then. Yep. Our lives were a lot easier going back then. I'm not even talking <laughs> about the pregnancy. I'm just talking about my job and yeah. being like that was pre- that was actually pre-COVID. Like the our lives yeah. just got easier yeah. well, once COVID know. hit, and I was very fortunate not to lose my job. So we were, had time to put effort into this show. We appreciate that you listen, <laughs> and I bring what I can every week. Like the observations I have about this song, like I don't like it anymore. What? I'm just kidding. I was gonna say, so anyway. <laughs> how dare you? So, what did you think of that opening bit? Did you like it? It's funny. Y- yes. <laughs> I'm just having a hard time getting into ready to talk about the song this week. I don't okay, know what Why it is. don't you go to top of the show business, hon? We did top of the show business. Oh, that was it? That was all the top of the oh, show okay. business. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then. So we're talking to you. I need, you know, you usually launch us in. I guess that's where I'm a little thrown off. Did you? Let's get into <laughs> I'm not editing any of this out. This is staying in. Big ducks to the prom. Relying K. We're back at it again. No, this is a great song. It is. I don't remember any of the observations I had last time. Just saying that again. So we'll just launch into talking about the song. Uh, This song is like an instant mood shifter. I just can't help but like feel good and smile every time this song comes on. Agreed. This is, it's, you know, it's funny that this is definitely too some section of Reliant K fans like uh, a pinnacle song or like a, a, a really a cornerstone song. 100%. But I don't think it is in the wider world of Reliant K. I think that I could the, see that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they haven't played it a lot over the years in total. They have played it a bunch. They played it a lot with Brian still in the band. They played it throughout the Johns era. And I don't think they played it. They played it once in a while with Ethan in the band. I'm trying to think if I've seen this song live. Yeah, but they didn't. They haven't played it. I'm not sure. In the post. In the, they didn't play it, if at all, in the Air for Free era. And I yeah. don't think they played it at all during Um Yeah. So I don't think I've heard this one live, now that you say that. Yeah. I'm like going back through the shows I've been to in my mind. This is kind of like a mission statement song. In a way, like this is a song that you can definitely hand to someone and say, this is what Reliant K is like, at least at this they period. They are going to pierce their left ears and wear a pink tux to the prom. Exactly. <laughs> this is also, though, I feel like it is sort of a a nexus point for where, where Reliant K and what Reliant K is artistically is about to shift. This is almost like the end of a certain chapter of Reliant K. And what I mean by that is with the first three albums, they, well, they've never, b- before I say this, don't want to take this out of context. They've always had a sense of humor. They've always been fun. They will write goofy songs after this song. But with the first three albums, you have like the name droppy songs, the pop culture reference songs, which is not something that they invented. There are a lot of other pop punk and pop rock bands that have that sense of like, Every song has a very specific character and, you know, pop culture references or even dropping in audio clips from movies and making the songs kind of like have this larger than life character. That's something that a lot of bands have done. And that's something that Reliant K really did, really pushed in their first three records to have a song about Back to the Future and a song about, 
Nancy Drew and a song about the Thundercats. And and here you have a song all about the 80s. So a name-droppy, fun, goofy, lighthearted, pop rock, pop punk song. That is not something they actually are going to do after this album. When you get into um when you get into mhm and five score and indefinitely when you get into forget and not slow down they're going to get more and more serious. They're always going to be lighthearted. They're always going to be fun and they'll always write a joke song here and there. There will be Yeah, cuz you have like two bits on five score. Right. They'll, you know, you'll have the opening, you'll have the, the opening song for five score. You'll have, crayons can we melt just, on crayons us. can melt yeah. on us. But the idea of taking an entire full length track to be kind of like a high concept, like very imagine, overly imaginative, name droppy, you know, mentioning existing media properties or other bands, that kind of stuff doesn't happen with Reliant K after this period. <laughs> So this song is kind of like it can only be right here. You know what I mean? Like even yeah. even a song like Mood Rings, forget about the misogyny, but a song like Mood Rings or the, even mentioning the Batman ride in Chapstick, like those kind of tools in the pop punk utility belt, <laughs> to be completely on purpose pun, not a pun, but whatever, reference, that kind of stuff isn't what they're going to do. So this is a... The end of a chapter for Reliant K. And along with Chapstick, this is a song that's kind of like, here's our last big hurrah with this kind of song that Reliant K is going to write. And I don't think we anyone knew that it was going to shift with Mm-hmm. Because Mm-hmm is a more mature album, but it's still fun, and it still, still has a lot of goofiness in it. But it's just not the kind of goofiness that's on albums one, two, and three. Right. They they sort of stopped with the, like, really heavy-handed references. Right. Yeah. Just and not a lot of references. I might, well, I might be this. missing something. There's, like, John Cusack on the heart of your lawn. But that's, like, an art. That's actually, like, a heartbroken artistic reference. Right. That's not the same kind of, like, goofy, like, making you think of this other thing. And... You know, making you think of fun references to 80s music and stuff. Right. So, yeah, I just, it's also, but then it's also interesting that despite the fact that this feels like, it feels like a single to some Reliant K fans, I feel like to other Reliant K fans, it might not feel like a single. I would t- t- put this as an A or S tier Reliant K song, but I think in the, in terms of quality and fun and enjoyment for me. But I feel like for their history, for their discography, it's lower than that. For like the the influence on their history and their shows and stuff, right. it's lower. Because surprisingly, it's not a deep cut, but it's kind of a mid-tier album cut. It skirts the line between album cut and single. Because it wasn't a single, but... It's it was more of a on, cult song within the yeah. fandom. And it was on the supporting EP from this album. So they probably did think that this song was a song that would attract people to the album. To put this song on well, the... Well, they were right. Yes. <laughs> to put this song on the Employee of the Month EP, and the Employee of the Month EP, you know, being... And we've talked about those EPs a lot, but every album had an EP along with it. And EPs kind of serve two different purposes. 
one, it's a little extra for the fans. Like the fans are going to go get it because they get a few extra songs. But it's also a marketing tool for people who maybe haven't checked them out. Mm -hmm. Maybe you, you know, you're like, you're at the store and you've heard of Relying K, but you're not like fully committed to it. And you see the EP and it's only five bucks. And you're like, well, I'll check out the EP. You know, just like you would check out a CD single back in the 80s and 90s. You would buy a much cheaper CD single with like two or three songs on it. Because you're not fully committed to buying a full album yet. Right. But bands of the Christian market, they didn't really... I'm sure some bands on the Christian market had CD singles. But like you're not going to have CD singles for a band or, or a label like Goatee. <clears throat> so you do an EP as an extra marketing push. Some people will buy the EP with not sure if they're going to buy the album. This, they assumed, was a best foot forward to say, hey, this is the kind of music we play. Come buy the full album. And yet, it didn't remain a staple of the band's history. What's up with that? Did you really love the 80s? Because it doesn't <laughs> seem like you did Such if you're not shame. playing gotta the song. They got to bring this back. Yeah. Let me see. So one, th- one thing, though, <laughs> about, about the point in which they wrote this is I do think that this song is kind of stuck between two worlds. Because this song has a lot of big ideas. And I don't mean just lyrically. <laughs> I mean with everyone. <laughs> Chapstick and... Sh- <laughs> musically. So, musically. Yeah. This song, and conceptually... This song has a lot of big ideas, and maybe hypothetically, I don't know this for a fact, what if, they, did they write this song for this album? Maybe. But hypothetically, if they had written this song two years before, and tried to put it on the self, you know, tried to record it for the self-titled, or tried to record it for Anatomy, it wouldn't have been as good, right? Like, even though production-wise, the band with Mark Lee Townsend took a giant leap between the self-titled and Anatomy. Anatomy is like production-wise a great pop punk album. They took another large leap though between Anatomy and, and this album. Two Lefts, yeah. And this album, it's like okay, we're ready to do all the big ideas and we need to be at a point production-wise where we can pull this song off in the studio. Because it's not enough to sing a song about how much you love the 80s. You have to pull off I mean, you didn't. they didn't have to do this. You can just write a song about how you love the 80s. But what they did here was write a song about how they love the 80s. And then they kind of do, uh, musically and production-wise, they, they kind of go for those tropes of the 80s music. They go with the synths. They go with the sort of new wavy sound, in a way. And these are big ideas that they were probably waiting until they were at a point production maturity wise to get there and there's a lot of artists who feel this way like movie you know filmmakers and art and authors and maybe painters or whatever who have these ideas for projects and they're like i could do that project now but i know i don't have the skill i need to pull that off yet let's wait a couple more years and get there and then i'll make that movie that's what this song feels like it feels like that right now they're at the point where they can pull this off they would have been, it would have, this song would sound even better if it was on mm-hmm. Because, you know what I mean? Because listening to this song this week, I felt a little drawn back from it because I was like, 
big ideas. They have to pull this off in the studio in a very specific way. And now listening to it after four years of doing this podcast, I'm like, they're really close. It wasn't absolutely perfectly pulled off. It was probably perfectly pulled off for what they were capable of at the time. And Reliant K fans at the time, myself included, probably listened to this and like they pulled this off perfectly for the time. But when you listen to how the band will develop with Mark Lee Townsend in the studio from mm-hmm and then, you know, only partially with Mark Lee Townsend for five score, I'm like if they had done this song another year later, another two years later, it would be so solidly perfect to the idea that they were going for. Like they would have had all the bells and whistles they needed to make this pashish of pop rock, pop punk in the 2000s, harping, harpening back to an 80s sound and feeling, they would have been able to pull it off perfectly. But this week, listening to the song, I was like, they, there's some things that they just didn't quite hit the mark. But they did exactly what they needed to do in 2003. They did it. You know what I mean? I just think that if this song was to come out any later, it wouldn't have because they stopped doing these kind of songs after this album. And that's what I mean. Yeah, that's that's kind of so I'm like, we'll never get that later version of this song because they were never going to shelve this for the time being and come back to it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And maybe some of that is like the shakeup of Brian leaving the band and them kind of and then going, you know, Tyson taking out the piano on tour and really leaning heavier into the piano aspects of the band with mm-hmm. But I just hear this song and it's like, it's just such big ideas and they are like 95% of the way there. I don't love the sort of driving guitar tone on this album, on this song I realized. Like the, 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 the that part's good. Because that's the same old skate punk fat epitaph sound that they have been doing since the second album. But when it's when that guitar tone, there's just something slightly off about it. It's a little too tinny. It's not quite fully there. And I'm not crazy about the guitar tone on this track now, in hindsight, with, you know, 20 years in the future i'm like this could sound just a little better if they had recorded it a year later which they wouldn't have because lyrically they wouldn't have done this song a year later so that's kind of where it gets stuck in the middle there i think it's perfect s tier just the way it is (laughs) i wouldn't change anything Uh, what i would change though is the gold version (laughs) i can tell you that much because i'm not sure that we went over this Last time, mm-hmm. when we did this song, since it was so early, I'm not sure if we were comparing gold and non-gold yet. Uh, they really filled in, like, the space in the song in the gold. It's like they boosted the bass, the vocals, and, like, the general background. But in doing that, they took down the synth and keyboards. And so I think I prefer it uh, a little less. And I-, I just don't like that it feels like I'm wearing Beats headphones when I listen to the gold version. Um, I just think I like the non-gold version more because it's, it's a little cleaner. I actually thought that the synth sounded a little better on the gold version. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I mean, since we'll never get that, since we never did and we never will get that re-record, and it's too late now, 
it's too. I'm not asking Reliant K to re-record this song now. I mean, if they did, sure, don't stop because of me. <laughs> but I'm not asking Reliant K of 2023. Well, I don't know. I, we we all heard how how that Sadie Hawkins dance re-record went, Tanny. I don't know. I don't know that we need to touch this. Well, <laughs> maybe we leave it alone. If they were ever going to re-record this song, I only wanted them to re-record it in like 2004, 2005. But it's too late. That will never happen. I don't want them to re-record the song. The next. I wouldn't say best thing, but the next, clo- the closest thing possible to that is them remixing it in 2005. So I think this is probably the only song <laughs> that was like absolutely, you know, uh, could benefit from a remix. Like we talk about how unnecessary the gold mixes are overall. They're the only mixes that exist on streaming. So they're the only mixes that most fans today have heard. We could have it all. Reliant K could just put both mixes of the second and third album on Spotify. (laughs) Lots of other bands have done that. The Beatles have done that. Like, you guys could just do that. And, you know, it could be cool. We could all be cool. But they just don't do that. But Danny will do it for you. Just give me Yeah, just uh, give me your login for Spotify. Give me your login for your Twitter while you're at it. You know, I'll be cool. I won't do all my hot takes. Oh, no. I think Bad Hoops is doing a very good job, Danny. (laughs) He didn't even tweet about the Ohio for Lovers Festival. Well, you know, he's busy. You know how I found out about the Ohio for Lovers Festival? (laughs) I was on the the Spotify, and they're like, get tickets for Ohio for Lovers Festival. That's funny. I was like, what? I didn't hear about this. Nobody heard about it. Everyone was so in a tizzy about the announcement for When We Were Young Festival, and then Furnace Fest gets announced, and everyone's excited about that. Nobody tagged us in the announcement about Ohio is for Lovers Festival. But whatever. Is your game over? That ugh was because Panthers (laughs) live to fight another day. Now, normally... In a playoff situation, I'd be like, yeah, go Panthers, go underdog. But it's against the Bruins, and they just, I mean, making history this year, I they deserve it. They just deserve it. So, uh, all right. <laughs> this is why we, we don't record on, on days when the Leafs play, though, because that's a lot more intense. <laughs> so any song that would be kind of like, that would benefit from, you know, opening up those stems, opening up those Pro Tools files, if that's what they were using, and remixing it, trying to fill out some of those ideas that maybe they hit 90% of but didn't quite get there. This is the song that could benefit from a gold remix. Did they? Is it necessary? No. Like, the gold mixes overall aren't necessary. But, like, they did, like, add a little bit of extra reverb. You're right, though. They buried some things but brought other things up in the mix. It's like you get good things in both mixes, but you still don't have a perfect mix of this song. And could there be a perfect mix of this song? Are some of the the native, like, guitar tones, like, just not perfect to make a perfect mix? I don't know. But... I like that they the bass is a little higher up in the opening section before the first chorus. Like it's interesting to hear the bass there. Uh, yeah, they, I guess you're right. They do kind of bury. They just kind of they do kind of push. They do kind of pave over the the uh, the synth a little bit. But that does kind of make it more of an '80s feel, like with that sort of uh, atmospheric new wave, sure. like the yeah. Human League or. Uh, 
maybe not Tears for Fears. Simple Simple Minds. I almost said Simple Plan. You know that classic '80s band, Simple Plan. Uh, Simple Minds, right? That's their name, right? Yeah. So yeah, those kind of like more synthy rock bands with the more atmospheric. Like the is it technically shoegaze? I don't know if it's technically shoegaze, but those kind of bands like they were maybe going for something that with that like that with the gold mix. I don't know, but I'll also say like between the gold mix and the original mix, this is also one of those songs where like I can't immediately tell unless I'm listening to them back to back. You know, if you put the gold mix on for me. If it was a couple days before I listened to the song. So, like, sit back, don't listen to Reliant K, put on one of the random two mixes. I probably couldn't tell. Except for that bass that's really high up and mm-hmm. separated in the beginning. If you plopped me in the middle of the song, I probably couldn't tell exactly which one it was. I, I could probably get there, but yeah. <laughs> no, like, really obvious, atrocious changes like yeah. some other songs. I don't know. I could just feel it. It was something about the vibe that I could just like totally feel, you know, was was the difference there. And I was definitely like something really struck me when I heard that very like that nostalgic original mix versus that sort of boosted gold right. mix. I do think that they put more reverb on the vocals as well, which is very much more of an 80s thing. Then maybe they had a little bit of reverb on the first mix, but just not enough. So adding that little extra bit on the gold mix kind of sells the whole 80s vibe a little bit more. I don't know. I know one thing. After three and a half years of this podcast, we're not that much better at talking about the technicalities of (laughs) music. But the difference between now and three years ago is we do try more. (laughs) We try to do that stuff. Well, God loves a trier, so... (laughs) God helps those. God loves those who love the '80s. So, yeah, I don't remember how much we got into the lyrics last time. I think we did. I think we focused more on the lyrics because that's what we're more prepared to do. But are you ready to break into these lyrics? Sure. So, in love with the '80s, you have it up. I don't have it up yet. Yeah, I was gonna say I have the genius because I don't think we went over the annotations last time. <laughs> Quora.com. Do couples who are over eighty still make love? I don't know that I need an answer to that, and I'm sure that they do. December 18th, 2014. <laughs> I wrote In Love with the 80, and that's by mistake, and that's the first thing that came up. Uh, nice. A few years back... Wait, what? This is not related. What? This is not... Uh, what is happening? I was. I thought this was the answer to do couples who are over 80s still make love. Oh, I see. But I think that the uh, the thing underneath, I was about to read something about Burning Man. And oh. I think that's just like, no one answered this actual Quora question. And it was just like, well, no one answered this. Here's a different question. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I love 80 for Brady. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Just kidding. You've never seen, seen it. I know. We've seen Book Club with most of those ladies. Oh, boy, we did. And now Book Club Part <laughs> Two's coming out. So first one. So it was Jeremy in 1983 and his Ocean Pacific Tea who got a bloody knee on a skateboard in the half pipe in the backyard that Tuesday night. And Ocean Pacific Tea is uh, annotated a popular clothing brand in the 80s. Reading back through these lyrics reminds me that back, you know, in the day when you had, you know, you could, you, on May, MySpace, you could post like a little, 
like a little blog thing and people could click on to it or whatever. I totally posted the lyrics to this. That's what a lot of people did for one of them. Um, So a skateboard is a type of sports equipment used for (laughs) skateboarding. Wait, do you have a different annotation page up? No, I'm reading the Wikipedia for skateboard. Oh, good lord. It is usually made of a specifically designed seven to eight ply maple plywood deck and has polyurethane wheels attached to the underside by a pair of skateboarding trucks boy this they were originally like clay or something can you even imagine this is lord you would think that the wikipedia entry for skateboard would be better but it says a skateboard is a type of sports equipment used for skateboarding you don't say (laughs) chorus that's a type of fallacy when you use the word in the description And I'm only going to pierce my left ear, and I've been working on this mustache all summer long, and my favorite band will always be Tears for Fears, and I'm going to wear a pink tux to the prom. So, and I'm only going to pierce my left ear as annotated. This comes from the tradition of men only piercing one ear in the 80s. The phrase, left is right, right is wrong, was used to popularize straight men piercing their left ear heterosexual men would only pierce their left ear while homosexual men would pierce their right ear through though rooted in homophobia the piercing of one ear held cultural significance to many young men at the time i don't remember reading that annotation three and a half years ago. i don't think we did that's why i went back over these that's funny so yeah uh, and I... then tears for fears is also annotated an english pop rock band who had hits such as number one who had hits such as number one hits, <laughs> Shout and Everybody Wants to Rule the World. So did you remember, did you know about that whole left ear, right yes. ear thing? Because that was still, you know, homophobia was still running rampant in the mid 2000s. And that was still like a big deal, like in middle school and stuff in high school. I remember if boys were frosting their tips and getting one of their ears pierced and you had to make sure it was the correct one or whatever. Now... But is the homophobia like the I'm going to pierce my left ear so that everyone knows I'm straight? Or was it like that if you were gay, you pierced your right ear as a pride thing? Like, which came first? The homophobia or the egg <laughs> is what I'm asking. I don't know. Like, which culturally existed first? Did did the homosexual community start piercing their right ear as, as a sign of pride? Or... I guess they prop that. I feel like that would have had to have come first because then why would the left ear be a statement of 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 straightitude? Why would you be like, hey, I'm straight, <laughs> so I'm gonna pierce my left ear? Yeah, I wonder if the piercing of the left ear. I don't know why. Why don't you look that up while we go over verse two? Before we do that, <laughs> so it was Jeremy in 1983. He mentions the brother later, so I could have I could have brought this up then, but. A couple years ago, on the, on the Twitter, and I'm going to be vague about what tweet this was, but a couple years ago on the podcast Twitter, I tweeted a joke about Pink Talks to the Prom about this song. I tweeted a joke. <laughs> I got, I the, got whole the whole internet laughing. laughing. <laughs> and a Twitter account called Jeremy Thiessen replied to me. Not And, you know, there's Schneck's beard... And there's, like, all of these, you know, like, good morning, Matt Hoops. Like, there's a lot of Twitter weird Teeson's accounts. hair, yeah. Teeson's hair. There's a lot of those accounts. There's Dan Bakaita's pod. <laughs> <laughs> but 
the the reply that it gave me, and I'm also being I'm, like I said, I'm being vague, so you can't just go search it out. The reply they wrote wasn't like you know uh, like hey I'm I'm actually I'm a joking around I'm Jeremy Matisson. It was just like a very matter of fact reply. And then I looked at who they follow and who follows them, and it was people within or on the periphery of the Reliant K camp following this person. Not you know not everybody. So I'm like. I think this might literally be the Jeremy Thiessen. And at the time, it's years ago, I'm like, I'm not going to pursue this because I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid to pursue this. Because <laughs> we're only 15 episodes we're in only, at the time. Yeah, we're only 15 years old. <laughs> we're only 15 episodes old. And so I don't. Well, then I go and I search out that tweet, and he hasn't tweeted in years, and he's changed the name of his account. So I'm like, maybe people talk to him. I don't know what's going on. But I just think it was funny that for a split second, I could have tried to get the Jeremy Thiessen, if that's who it actually was, from Twitter. But we follow him, and his account's private now, and that's why I'm being coy about it, because I don't want to dox him. If he kind of went more uh, off, the, off the grid with his Twitter account, I don't want to dox him. And like, So now you have to go through every tweet where I reference <laughs> In Love with the 80s, and you'll have to find the one where someone who used to be Jeremy Thiessen but changed their name and you have to figure that out on your own. I'm not pointing it out. But I just thought, you know, that was worth mentioning. I don't know. Was it worth mentioning? No. Anyway. Verse 2. Cutting class through the first floor window. He's driving fast because he never did a thing slow. And I look up to my big bro because in the 80s all the ladies grabbed his hand and couldn't let go. Maybe that's why this alleged real Jeremy Thiessen changes his Twitter. Maybe all those ladies who couldn't let his hand go Uh are still looking for him. Could be. And I'm only going to pierce my left ear, and I've been working on this mustache all summer long, and my favorite band will always be Tears for Fears, and I'm going to wear a pink tux to the prom. A pink tux to the prom. Post-chorus. Do, 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 do. Pink tux to the prom. Do, 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 do. Pink tux to the prom. Chorus. I am going to wear a pink tux to the prom. Live without a care. What could possibly go wrong? Verse three. What could possibly go wrong? Or possibly go wrong? When possibly go wrong. When, <laughs> That's when, the first thing that's ever gone wrong. When you're the president of the breakfast club and you're not hesitant to fall in love, to fall in love, to throw it away, to fall in love with the 80s. And the breakfast club is annotated. Uh, the breakfast club is a cult comedy film from 1985. Uh, chorus, I am going to wear a pink tux to the prom, live without a care, what could possibly go wrong? I am going to wear a pink tux to the prom, live without a care, because you threw it away to fall in love with the 80s. And then outro is all the doop-doop-doos. So I found a couple of articles about the history of, you know, the left ear, the right ear, and piercing for men. Mm-hmm. There's an article by AmatoPiercing.com. There's another by Pop Sugar. If you, you know, if you type, if you Google those websites and gay ear you will find because that's literally the words Mm. in the headlines of these articles is gay ear but uh piercing fad is turning convention on its ear is an article from the new york times in 1991 oh wow and it kind of it seems to me after i read through the pop sugar one and the amato piercing one and now looking at this new york times one that it was sometime in the 60s and it seems to be vague like nobody it's not like anyone was recording it at the time it's just a fad that not a fad because it was actually for a sad reason that people couldn't live proudly but they uh you know it was kind of a a a thing that came up 
organically where gay men were piercing their right ear as a signal to other gay men that they were homosexual so that they weren't living flamboyantly and getting the ire of the community that they were living in. So it does seem to have developed organically in the 1960s to pierce your right ear when you were gay. But is that a myth or not? It just seems to be something that kind of came up at some point and then people started learning about it. I'm not really, I'm just kind of glazing over this. Whoops, sorry about so that. So I guess the left ear thing was was kind of a reaction to that. I see. Because then throughout the 80s and the 90s... I didn't even know it was popular for men to pierce their ears at all that far back. I thought that kind of started in the 80s. It kind of started in the 60s, the 70s, huh, the 80s. Because piercing is kind of a cultural and spiritual thing right. in a lot of different cultures. This is what a lot of these articles I'm reading say... But then as it became, kind of came sort of like a fashion statement and a sign of rebellion, not just necessarily a sign of culture or a sign of, you know, your sexual preference. It was becoming like a, a counterculture symbol to get your ears pierced, to get tattooed and stuff. Uh, men were piercing both ears. And so actually like the uh, the the use for the LGBTQ community to pierce your right ear... I suppose just for the male gay community to pierce your right ear was actually kind of losing its significance throughout the in throughout the eighties and into the nineties because and this now I'm now I'm now I'm editorializing. Throughout the eighties, men were wearing makeup. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like really straight men were going on the Sunset Strip wearing full on makeup and leopard suits and stuff. Right. So the androgyny of like of like of like drag and like being heterosexual and drag like yeah the meaning of a pierced ear kind of loses its its significance but still it seems like the 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 wives tale like the 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 general sense of like right ear is gay left ear is straight had kind of kept along for a while i found another article here about what uh, piercing means for Gen Z, and it basically seems to be like they don't care. <laughs> Just pierce whatever ear you want; it doesn't right, matter. Right. There was a Beavis and Butthead episode where they spend the whole time—an original Beavis and Butthead episode, not a new one on Paramount Plus—where they spend the whole episode trying to get their ears pierced. And then when they do, like the the ironic ending is they accidentally got their right ears pierced, mm-hmm. and they don't know what it means. But then the like a girl sees them, and she's like, "Don't you know what that means?" And she whispers it to them, and then they scream. Because, oh, no, everyone's going to think we're gay. Uh, And with that, let's go ahead and take our break. Thank you so much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. New episodes are released every other week, but you don't have to wait that long to hear more from us. You can join patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins Pod to listen to our bonus episodes every alternate week. When you sign up, you'll get access to years of backlog episodes, including our discussions of the songs from Relying K's for karaoke, every chapter of the book, The Complex Infrastructure, known as The Female Mind, as well as other projects and features from members of Reliant K. You'll also have access to live streams of us watching fan content on YouTube and many other topics. When you sign up, you'll receive a welcome letter with guitar picks and stickers. And by making a lifetime contribution of $60, you'll be eligible to earn a special Patreon-exclusive shirt. You'll also get thanked on every episode, like our current patrons who include... Charity, Samantha H, number one, Samantha H, number two, Matthew, Bjorn, Emily, Isaac, Kindle, Joshua, Daniel, Jay, Michael, Jimmy Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, 
Tucker, and Brady. Even if you don't want to sign up for the Patreon, you can still join the conversation by contacting us with your thoughts on this episode, your corrections, and your Reliant K memories at our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE, or by sending an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, which are all at Sadie Hawkins Pod, where you can see the visuals we discuss on the podcast each week. And on Facebook, search for Sadie Hawkins Group to discuss our show and Reliant K. There aren't a lot of guarantees in life, but I can guarantee one thing. It's very hard to think of what to say at the end of these ad reads. Mm, true. So I already sent it ahead to you, but we have TikToks. There are 89 TikToks. Yes, and we were fact. definitely not talking no. about TikToks back then. I feel like, did we break into the lyrics enough? We talked a lot about the gay ear. <laughs> Ocean, I know we talked about Ocean Pacific last time. I remember that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we talked about skateboards. We talked about Tears for Fears. And we talked about Tears for Fears last week. I think we talked a lot about 80s nostalgia overall. Yeah. And it's funny because in the three years since we did that original episode, 90s nostalgia is just growing stronger. And we've talked about this over the years on this podcast. I'm pretty sure we talked about it in episode 15, but if we didn't, we talked about it elsewhere. 80s nostalgia hit immediately in the late 90s, just like how 60s nostalgia hit immediately in the 70s. Right. And I think the difference there is that people who were teens in the 60s went on to immediate success in the 70s. People who were teens in the 80s went on to immediate success in the 90s. So in both these cases, the people with the money want the nostalgia. They'll pay for the nostalgia. Give us the nostalgia. But the people who grew up as teens in the 90s did not go on to immediate success in the 2000s. So while you have a little bit of 90s nostalgia here and there. the people who are teens in the 2000s also did not go on to immediate success in the 2010s. But now, 20 years later, 90s nostalgia is finally huge. And it's, I think it's because it took 20 years for kids of the 90s to actually be the ones with the money and the wealth and the power. We've talked about that before, for sure. I mean, I don't know if if uh, any of us have the money, the wealth, or the power yet, but you know, we're uh, we're better off than we were back. Then. then you get the women. Then you get the power. That's then right. You get the money. Exactly, Homer. I drop so many Simpsons references now, and I don't even always quote what they are. So if you don't know. The first eight seasons of The Simpsons, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what Danny's talking about, just assume it's a Simpsons quote. TikTok, Dan? TikTok. Oh, you sent it to me. Okay. Yep. TikTok. Classic song by 80s rocker Kesha. Here's a weird thing. It's like a weird... It's a Pikachu suit in a bathtub or something. What? Yeah. Okay, this is very haunted, very cursed. All right, I guess they're cleaning their Pikachu onesie. (laughs) Yes, they are. Yes, they are, with Shout. This is uploaded by (laughs) Maybowtime, Maybowtime, and they are cleaning their Pikachu costume. Maybe it's a kid's Pikachu costume because it looks like very little material. Oh, it's a little baby one. Is it? Oh, it's a. Is it a or is it a dog costume? It's either a dog costume or a baby one. Adorable, either way. I'm not sure what Pikachu has to do with the 80s, but... Oh, goodness Whoa. gracious, Danny. <laughs> Just getting the Bluetooth going. Okay. 
So they're just cleaning this Pikachu, this tiny Pikachu costume and giving all the instructions on how you can do this as well because it is like a very, it looks like a hand-stitched material. Mm. It looks like something you can't put in the machine. They're using a lint remover, an electric lint remover. Oh yeah, we used to have one of those. Clean my 20-year-old Pikachu with me. So I'm, oh okay, so this is like a Pikachu costume they had as a kid and they're cleaning it now because gotcha. I guess it's just... I'm definitely going to post this one on the social, on our social media. Uh, here's another cleaning thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What the hell is this? What's going oh, this on? is one of those weird. This is weird. One of those weird Gen Z like we love slime. Here's some oh. slime. Here's some playing with slime. Boba slime. So slime is big on YouTube. Slime is big on TikTok. Just like weird different kind of slime. Like Nickelodeon gag. Right. But different. So they put little fake boba balls inside some slime. And now I just, just want like, some boba. They're just handing this. They're just like squeezing it, shaping it, putting it in the tub. I, kids kids have always loved. Oh, I didn't say who that's. Yeah, that's that's by Slime that. City. Sli- Slime City Bow Official. Slime I love that they use like City three Bo different official. like AI voices in yeah. that. Here is any that actually have anything to do with the eighties. Uh, well, here's one with kind of uh, the guy has pink hair. That's kind of eighties. Oh yeah, I saw that one. This is uploaded by Kawaii AF un- <laughs> underscore. He's official. gonna have pink hair for the prom. So he's got like pink hair like emo style you know more 2000s emo style because he's got the billy joe armstrong tie around his neck he's got like a suit jacket with uh white roses sewn onto it so this is more of a this is not really an 80s thing this is more of a post-american idiot green day thing yeah it's his class of 2002 at the top class of 2002 he's trying to look 2002 nice that's still too early it's not really 2002. This is really more 2005. Well, you know. The style is more My Chemical Romance 2005. I mean, I guess some people might have started to look like this a little bit by 2002. But by 2002, right. Green Day is still, like, uh, warning. Sure. Anyway. Now that Yeah, so that was Kawhi as fuck official. I don't know if they... Are they officially Kawhi? So this is a, uh, this is an e-girl in her bedroom wearing very little clothing. Doing what e-girls do. Doing what e-girls do. It says, mourning the childhoods, uh, mourning as in death, mourning the childhoods of Gen Z because they grew up after Reliant K's prime years. This is uploaded by Digital Charms. Yeah. She's holding a green stuffed bunny or something and she's just lip syncing the song. I mean, no, Reliant K is still in their prime. What are you talking about? <laughs> E-girl. Like, a lot of the bands that we grew up listening to are kind of still in their prime. Like, I get kind of pissed off when people are like, oh, yeah, MXPX, that eight, that 90s band. I'm like, they're not a 90s band. Like, MXPX and is And their like- quality has still upheld. Like, MXPX is a better band today than they've ever been before, and their biggest song, is, their biggest song right now is a song from their 2018 album. 
like they're not a nostalgia actor, but I'm not just, but and that's how I feel about MXPX because I'm very close to MXPX through the things I've done online and I've communicated with them in the last few years. So I feel more white knight for them, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like just because you stopped paying attention to them doesn't mean they didn't stop being a vital prime artist and haven't don't just they don't just show up and play the hits all day. But a lot of bands are like that nowadays. Like the music industry is kind of having a resurgence after kind of these dark times and kind of figuring out what is it going to do with uh, you know illegal downloading and stuff. And that stuff did actually end up really affecting the music industry. And a lot of bands broke up and stuff. But I think we're reaching a new era of music. And yes, there's still some dark times. Like shows are really expensive. Bands can't even make low income tours work or you know low profit tours work because gas is so expensive and stuff but still like i went to see the mp giants this week and like they'll play like five hits but then they'll play mostly kind of newer songs or songs from the last 10 years like you know there's a lot that's why we haven't seen green day recently (laughs) (laughs) anyway here's uh some lady Annie Hack, the vintage Ocean Pacific sweater always makes me think of this song. So she's wearing... I gotta see this. Oh, nice. She's wearing a classic Ocean Pacific sweater. It very much looks like she stepped right out of a Bradley's or a a permanent... What was that store called? Caldor? Permanent? (laughs) What was that other one? Sermanent? What is one that starts... I don't know any that starts with a P. Uh, Permanent? Something immense. Sentry. It was wasn't a really the, wasn't bad. One of them? It was a really really bad name for a uh, for a seventies eighties department store. Percadent. <laughs> I don't think that's what Closed you're going for. Closed department stores. Man, I loved Caldor and Bradley's though. Those were amazing. List of defunct department stores in the United States. What's a more eighties topic to talk about? Than, than Heck this. yeah. Discount stores went out of business. Acorn stores. Ames. I remember Ames. My mama worked at Ames. Mm-hmm. Um, Bradley's. That's right. That's the one I just mentioned. Fisher's Big Wheel. I don't remember. I didn't hear that. Northeast, nor- Northeast and Midwest. Uh, Lord and Taylor. Did Lord and Taylor go out? Just recently. I was going to say. 2020. Sears, that's right. They're still yeah. operating a few locations. Stephen Berry's, remember Stephen Berry's? <laughs> yes, I, they I wouldn't. Were, they weren't that old, they though, weren't a, were they? No, and they weren't a department store. They no. were a clothing store, more akin to, uh, to like you know, uh, Old Navy. Right. I still own a couple pieces of Stephen Berry's clothing. <laughs> you do. This is going to really annoy me if I can't think of this really bad <laughs> name. So Jessica. Yeah. What else do you love about this song while I'm looking up? Uh, everything? Well, while you keep looking at that, have you gone over all the TikToks you want to go over? Because we have a vocal I'll come back to this. dot media beat blog article. Uh, <laughs> um Something Without Bones is the name <laughs> of this. And it says TikTok take the wheel. And then it's a person. <laughs> oh no! And then it's a person in kind of I don't know what kind of like monster creature that's supposed to be. It kind of looks like it might be like a Japanese-based demon costume, 
because he's just standing in a weird crab stance and he's got like a like a drama mask on and he's holding two knives and he's covered in and head And there's to like toe. a Jason mask above his like on his hat with some yeah. stuff extra stuff painted on it. Anything else? Lots of girls with like colorful hair, lots of little things, people. There's a little <laughs> baby. Here's a lady with a beard painted on her face. Here's a guy who says, who's your next date? Here's a person with a mustache. Here's uh, the karate kid. I bet because they've been working on that mustache all summer uh, long. Yeah. This is S.W. Haley 05. And they are just lip syncing the song with a fake mustache on their face. Nice. Not like... No, like, you know, here's how we make a Chick-fil-A iced, <laughs> iced coffee. None <laughs> <Right>. of that. <laughs> just, like, lots of stuff you would expect. I don't know. Just lots of lip syncing, lots of performing, and, like, it's the 80s. Oh, and here's, uh, what's his name? That's the guy, Eddie. Eddie from yeah. Stranger Things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How is there not a bunch of Stranger Things references with this song, right? Like, right? fan videos I would imagine there would be a lot of little, like, fan videos and whatnot. Did you come across those in your, uh... I did not. YouTube deep dive? Oh, interesting. Nope. What are you guys doing? I don't know. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell us all about this thing that you found? All right. Over on Vocal.media Beat, uh, Reliant K, Two Lefts Don't Make a Right... But is this album as good as I remember? This is by Joshua Luke Johnson, published 10 months ago, updated nine months ago. Oh, it's an eight minute read, apparently. Strap in. (laughs) We'll see how much we actually go over. For a gaggle of Christian kids who would have no problem passing a drug test, Reliant K wrote some lyrical bangers that still hold up today. Were you even a Christian kid in the 2000s if you didn't know every quote-unquote word to Reliant K's seminal masterwork gibberish? Uh, 2003 was a funny time to be alive. It sure was. (laughs) Especially for Christian rock bands and their fans. I was raised in a rural Christian community, so my exposure to popular music was a bit limited. My CD collection was mostly oddities. Christian rock, Celtic woman... And, of course, every album from Michael W. Smith. Oh, of course. Nothing was swear words, and they put S-W-E and then, like, an apostrophe and then an R. Uh, no lyrics that degraded women and certainly... Uh, excuse me, have you heard move rings? <laughs> oh, yeah, what the heck? And certainly... That's not, not particularly correct. <laughs> now, I would say Roland K. had no songs about purity culture, but they did not have no songs that didn't... And yeah, what were we going to say? Uh, uh, sorry, what's the song called? Um, Mood Rings? Mood Rings. No, the other one. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Vanessa. Vanessa. Vanessa's yeah. wearing a tight sweater. Uh, you, what have you been doing lately? And certainly nothing with the iconic Not For Kids label etched in the bottom right. It didn't say not for kids. It's parental advisory. <laughs> it parental... And then they put yeah. a picture of the parental advisory. The thing about content. parental advisory is kids could listen to it parents just had to be advised i suppose i can't complain since i was introduced to many of the essential artists before i left the roost elvis the beatles the beach boys simon and garfunkel most 80s rock bands more or less everything pre-90s was available to me during my formative years with this unconventional discography there was one band that came 
became a fast favorite. And looking back, I'm not surprised. Today, Matthew Thiessen's Wikipedia boasts collaborations with hundreds of Billboard regulars, including Katy Perry, Adam Young, John Foreman, Andrew McMahon, Ben Richter, Richter, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, and more. Matt Thiessen's legacy, however, will always be for starting the band Reliant K. Three gold albums and a smattering of chart toppers can attest. Is it Bergament? It might have been Bergament. A church-going cohort of (laughs) wannabe rock fans. Um, Excuse me. So they put a picture of, it says Reliant K circa early 2000s Matt Thiessen Center. And it's a picture of the five score lineup. So that was actually the mid 2000s. That happens a lot. That happens a whole (laughs) lot where people are like classic Reliant K in 2002. And then it's the air for free lineup. I'm just being nitpicky. Uh, A church going cohort of wannabe rock fans followed this floppy haired frontman from Maine to Wyoming on tour after tour as crossover hits Sadie Hawkins dance be my escape and who I am hates who I've been put Christian punk rock on music on the North American map not the center of the map of course not even off center in the Rockies but somewhere in Fort Lauderdale basking in the early I mean it was on MTV and on the regular radio be my escape was a radio hit a mild radio hit. What year did they say? Sorry, did I? Was that late years later? Huh? I I don't know. Um, Matt Thiessen could be found <laughs> sipping a virgin mojito, surrounded by girls in one piece swimsuits. Are you assuming it's to, a virgin mojito? Yep. You were definitely to just assuming. Yep. He didn't drink alcohol when he yep. was a man in his twenties in this band. Thiessen could be found sipping a virgin mojito, surrounded by girls in one piece swimsuits, threatening to lead him to into whatever temptation ch- at every turn. Whatever specific <laughs> church background you had, where alcohol is the devil, is not. The way every denomination in the Christian church thinks, yeah. like I've, how many like Bible studies include wine? Like not, and <laughs> I don't mean like communion. I mean like have a nice rosé while we study the Bible. Like I don't know. In communion, they'd often give wine, right? So. Or you'd go out for beers. You'd go to the brewery, and this is not a recent thing. As popular as microbreweries are nowadays, it is not a recent thing to be like meet at this brewery and we're having church. Like that was a thing that was happening in the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands. Like this, none of this is new. It's just, I think a lot of people like when he said he lived in a rural community and I'm just uh, and you know, isolated from things because of his Christian background. It's like, there's a lot of different types of Christian communities out there and they're not, each of them has a different take on, uh, alcohol on pop popular culture right i just skip forward a little bit and i will again after this what are you doing exactly i'm clean speaking alcohol i'm trying to clean my uh the weird little display bubble that's inside my old-fashioned uh cocktail glass there's like a little plastic bubble not plastic a little glass Glass, bubble blown into the bottom of the glass and it captures a lot of schmutz I revisited Two Lefts recently, and not for any reason in particular. I just woke up one night with the chorus, with the chorus of "In Love in with the '80s" stuck in my head. Before I knew it, I was 15 tracks deep in Matt Thiessen's lyrical wizardry, realizing how unsurprising it is that he was such a sought-after collaborator for so many of punk rock's greatest contributions. Well, I would say that that was the case because it's his dream to work in music. 
And for most musicians, for many musicians, the line between, oh, this is a Christian job or this is just a job doesn't exist. It's like it's a job's a job, just like any job. Right. Skipping forward a little bit. Uh-oh, two left second second track, a darling of my middle school Christian dance parties hasn't aged well at all. In fact, it was never okay to begin with. Let's not make excuses for sexism and collectivism even coming from good kids like these. At the time of writing, this mood rings probably felt very clever given the prolific popularity of mood rings in the 2000s i can see how a band of 20 somethings might not pick up on the deeply problematic sociological implications of what they're laying down but again we're not here to make excuses mood rings is a skip for me and then they quote they go down to quote uh, in love with the 80s so it was jeremy in 1983 and his ocean pacific d who got a bloody on the skateboard in the half pipe in the backyard that tuesday night the next three, three tracks, Falling Out, Forward Motion, and In Love with the 80s, Pink Touch to the Prom, are a bittersweet tour through the rolling hills of Matt's head-in-the-cloud lyrical pendulum swings. Can I get spicy about Christian music for a second? Do sure. you mind? So, <laughs> are you laughing at me or are you laughing at the next thing? I was just laughing at my res- response to you. Go on. All I want to say is, and I know I've harped on this a lot here and there, and I was kind of harping on it tonight, but I did have this thought. Songs like Mood Rings, songs like In Love with the 80s, songs like I Am Lion O, they aren't Christian songs. They're not Christian songs. They're written by Christians. They're part of the Christian record industry, you know, that thing that God wanted us to do, the thing that Christ wanted to do, create an industry in his name. But just because a Christian writes a song doesn't mean it's a Christian song. So just like a Christian paints a painting, it's not a Christian painting. Just because a Christian takes a photograph, it's not a Christian photograph. This is not a Christian song. So I just think it's it kind of shows this line between like there are bands that don't necessarily have a specific faith in Christ. Or maybe they do have a faith in Christ, but they don't go around you know, evangelizing it. Like some people in the record industry are just Christian and you don't know about it because it's, they're not evangelical. They don't go around talking about or preaching with every little thing that they do. So it's just like, it kind of, and it annoys me, whatever. <laughs> yeah, this, you know, like Alice Cooper and Dave Mustaine, etc. <laughs> and so I I'm just skipping. find it, well, sorry, but what I was getting at was I find it funny that like, yeah, you're allowed to listen to this song because this is a Christian song, but there's nothing Christian specifically about I Am Lion-O or In Love With The 80s. They're just songs that are fun songs, and a lot of bands just write fun songs. And there are a lot of bands that don't that aren't specifically in the Christian record industry that are actually clean and that write fun songs. And so what's the difference? It's just like how you were marketed to by an industry. This industry came along and said, hi, church group, here is our business, and we have marketed these records to you, and we have marketed them to you in such a way that you don't have to be afraid for your soul, because this marketing is going to let you know that this marketing says these records are safe. And I'm just, I find that disgusting, because Christ didn't save, Christ didn't die on the cross to save us so that we could create a market 
where people would feel that they are safely allowed to listen to popular culture. That was nothing that Christ called us to do. In fact, God's Christ's only reaction with a market was when he went into one and started flipping over the tables. And so maybe that's part of the reason why I find this like thing about like popular culture and art and how like, oh, does this is this capital C Christian? Because if it's not capital C Christian art, I'm not allowed. I can't listen to it. Ping Talks to the Prom is a true standout at the often hard-hitting fifth track position. And that's underlined because I'm like, what is the often hard-hitting fifth track position? Uh, and it links me to an iHeart Radio Media, one of those things, article. A lot of people have different opinions on what track number on a full-length album are the most important. But I think that that really like Reese Roper has very specific viewpoints on that like how you have to lay like your big hits the songs that you're most proud of on certain track numbers but I don't think anyone's viewpoint on that is the definitive one and I think it generally has to do with whatever your favorite records were growing up and where your favorite songs happened to fall like if you had a couple of albums where your favorite song happened to be number five you would think number five is the most powerful number track on the album for me I had a couple of albums where track number seven when I was growing up was the most important track I can literally only remember basket case right now I can't remember we saw two was a big one there you go i just remember basket cases track seven on dookie and i had a couple of other albums where track seven was my favorite song so i thought track seven is the most important track on an album i don't think anyone's opinions on that stuff unless it gets into like real numerology like how long is the song and how quickly does this song appear i don't think so because this article is titled taylor swift's track number five theory You've been to, like, all her shows. Tons of Taylor Swift merch is in your closet and drawers. You like all of her tweets. You call yourself a hashtag Swifty. But are you aware of the track number five theory? And have you seen the hidden Easter eggs in the video for Delicate? Yes. No to all of the above. (laughs) Let's start with Taylor Swift. (laughs) Jessica asks, is it folklore after? If the answer is no, then <laughs> is it shake it off? And if the answer is no, then she hasn't listened to I it. I like reputation. I listen to a lot of reputation. Um, let's start with the theory. Most diehard fans love all of Taylor's songs and albums, but it's been an underlying thing with track number five from all her albums have all won over Swifties across the globe. The following songs are all track five on her albums. Taylor Swift, Cold as You, Fearless, oh, yeah. White Horse, Speak Now, Dear John, Red, White All Horse, Too Well. White Horse, she's singing about cocaine? All I know is White Horse. That's the only one of these songs I know that they just said. And this is clearly from when Red was the most recent album. Uh, all of these songs are far too emotional, and I'm so in love with them. Now about the fact that fans are going crazy for her latest track, Number 5, Delicate. That is a banger. Yup, the album Reputation has a lot of songs on it, and this is not, this one is not only one of the most reactionary from the fans, but it's also the first track number five to be a single. Taylor totally knows about the theory because she drops a serious hint in the video. Take a look at it and watch for the subway platform scene. I don't know what you're talking about, and it doesn't really seem like this is her theory. It seems like this is your random theory. 
Anyways, back to the other article. A fan favorite and ode to everything 80s, including The Breakfast Club, Left Ear Only Piercings, and, of course, Pink Tuxedos. In Love with the 80s is a song to a bygone era, a frequently attempted trope that just works here. Uh, And then let's skip down to see if there's any closing statements. What an album. What a band for a group of relatively good kids who spent their Sundays at church in Canton. The most, the amount of lyrical mind fuckery they infused into every track is worthy of well praise and worship. Hey, you're all right, blog writer. (laughs) Matt Teeson and company left a legacy that will not soon be forgotten. Not by me, at least. And with that, I will just stop talking now. Left a legacy. They're still they're still going. And then the last thing I have is a picture that I don't think we went over last time. I'm not sure that it was posted last time. It's a Flickr picture. And it, I don't know, kind of looks like a Sims person, but in a pink tux with a funky background. Oh, nice. Burlap and Lavender. Who's this user? Because there is some Flickr users that we actually follow, but... On, over on Twitter and I don't know, but there's a cute little corgi picture. Yeah. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of Reliant K stuff on here. Uh, that might be it. And that is it for my uh, re-deep dive. <laughs> Danny, what do you have for us? Uh, so let's play some of those covers... Of Head Over Heels by Tears for Fears that launches into In Love with the 80s? In Love with the 80s. Right on. If I had done my job last week, I maybe would have found those. It wasn't that hard. All I had to do was search Relying K Tears for Fears. But all my research for last week's episode, I pretty much just looked for Reliant K, Rule the World, and stuff like that. Everyone wants to rule the world. I can't remember. I didn't mark if this is the one that Brian Fletcher sent us, but I grabbed three. Of, I grabbed two or three of these anyway. One of them has a little story at the beginning. Okay, so this one should have. This one has a little talking. Let's see what happens here. This is on the Appetite for Construction door, from two thousand seven, November two thousand seven. You can see John Warren over there slinging the bass. You can see Tyson with his short curly hair up on the piano. They're fresh probably from uh, playing at the Apple store that we see all the time. And here they are playing Head Over Heels by Tears for Fears. But anyway, you didn't win any awards or anything probably. No, no. Yeah. No, but it was, it was still the best costume ever. Anyway. Cool. Um, also, back in the 80s, there was a band called Tears for Fears that I really liked. Were they talking about the salty costume before this? Oh. I wonder, because they just mentioned best costume ever in the 80s or whatever, and salty's from the 80s, right? Yeah. Okay, I guess we won't know. Yeah. I got up while I'm like, oh, the, this, the track. <laughs> Sorry. The it's just, I'm like, oh, man, I wish that this uh, video had started recording just a little bit sooner. They sang songs like this one. This one's called Head Over Heels. <gasps> Oh, 
clunky <laughs> i thought it was great i don't mean the cover i, would have I liked... mean the transition oh yeah, yeah, yeah sorry just i meant the transition the c- cover though i wish is they great. did the full cover i wish they did the full cover i wish that that was the one that they had chosen for k's for karaoke right it was really great well as long as we're here let's listen to what this sounded like in 2007 i remember three and a half years ago we played which we're not playing this week but we played the mcdonald's live concert right <laughs> when when uh, Reliant K played for a McDonald's tour. And very clearly, Schneck plays the Glock during this song instead of the keyboard. So let's see if oh, that's nice. what happens here. Very good. This is pretty much the quality I remember of the cover of the uh, live performances that I played uh, three years ago. But yeah, that was Schneck playing the Glockenspiel, which he was cute. still playing yeah. on Um Yeah. Heck yeah. Still the Schneck standard to play the Glockenspiel. So, um, okay, yeah, here's the other one I found. And this opens with a little story, not like anything too earth shattering. About the song, but a little explanation from Tyson before the song plays. Something that I did, I, uh, a couple years back, actually playing a live festival, I had a big dangly earring in just my left ear. That same year, I also grew out a mustache, uh, which the next line of the song is in uh, something about growing out a mustache all summer long. And then the third line of that song is, is my favorite band has always been Tears for Fears. And, uh... We've never even covered a Tears for Fears song, so we're going to intro the 80s song with a little Tears for Fears, and you guys are probably way too young to even know what the song is, but um, that's okay with us. We're playing it for ourselves, and uh, we've also never played this before ever, so. I forgot, it actually says, the YouTube video is called 
Relying K, <laughs> excuse me, Relying K covers Tears for Fears for the first time ever. And this is uploaded by Jesse Mitty 10 years ago, 15 years ago, sorry, 15 years ago. And they have 10 subscribers. Um, we don't need to hear the whole cover, but we'll hear a little bit of it. Probably messed it up just a little bit, but that's the fun of it. So, anyway, this is a Tears for Fears song. It's called Head Over Heels. Season doing that on the keyboard because yeah. it sounds so good. It sounds way better than that other cover. Yeah, it sounds this, so good. It sounds better. Also, too young. Like Donnie Darko only came out in two thousand one. You know, six years popular before. movie. Not too young to know uh, Tears for Fears in this song. He, he, and people have kids have no excuse for not knowing everything now. You got the internet. You right. got the internet. Two thousand seven. Well, this is 2007, so I can understand. Like, double check. Yeah, 2007. No, I just meant now. Like, yeah. So easy. That's one thing that always that always uh, butters my biscuits when it comes <laughs> to YouTube videos. I'm like, literally, just Google it. You have access. You're doing a video on a topic, and you're going to make a reference to something, and you don't know the reference. Look it up. And a lot of You these, have no excuse. A lot of these like Gen Z reacts to videos, like here's some goofy horse shit from the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s. Hey, Gen Z kid, watch this. It's like, okay, yeah, cool. You could get like the lamest possible kids. <laughs> you could just get like, <laughs> you could get quote unquote cool kids who don't remember anything because they didn't live through. But the thing is like, I'm trying to get out of here is like I am never gonna fucking watch that uh uh Gen Z kids react to ska YouTube video that came out recently. Oh, I'm no. never gonna watch that because millennials don't know what ska is still. You know what I mean? It is an underground right. it is an underground music and like most people who are like, I love ska, I love real big fish, I love five iron frenzy, name one more band. Uh, the cherry poppin' daddies. <laughs> like, people don't know what Sky is. So I don't need to watch a bunch of, like, I don't need to watch anyone of any age not get it. Like, it's fine. But the other thing is, like, something like Sky is actually, <clears throat> so the scene exists today because young, cool kids find it. Like, the bands nowadays are, like, Z or uh, Zennials, you know what I mean? They're younger bands, and the fans are younger. They're not all forty-year-old fans, like going and buying eighty-dollar beers or spending two hundred-dollar tickets for Blink One Eighty Two, the best ska band of all time. Anyway, <laughs> so my point is, yeah, in two thousand seven, people I wasn't talking about things. reaction channels. I was just talking about like other channels where they try to do a video essay, and I'm like. You could just Google this. Right. They the do, things yeah. that you don't know about. You could just look it up. It's we talked really about it easy. with She's All That. Yeah. Google Honestly. it. beginning sounds way better than the first one there mm. that's really cool 
Well, I don't really have any, like, other live videos. And we will do a Patreon where we watch through fan videos. Oh, okay, Jessica, cool. do you remember the Christmas party two years ago? We talked about it on the show when I was still working for the advertising agency. We were at the company yes. Christmas party and somebody came up to me. He's like, so you know that band Reliant K? And I'm like, oh, yes. crap. This is only going one way. <laughs> Someone in my job found the podcast. Yes. And it turned out he was involved in or shot the most famous, the most well-known, like the most viewed fan video of all time. Yeah. Just like Sadie Hawkins Dance has this one specific fan video that has like 1.3 million views because it's the only technically, you know, music video that existed. So a lot of like blogs aggregated it and people watched it. The most watched fan video from 10, 15 years ago, I knew the guy who was in it. Don't know how to contact him now. Can't send him a DM through the company uh, right. Google account. So if you're out there, uh, I'm not doxing you if you don't want to come on. If you don't want to come on the show, but please send us a message: sadiehawkinspod at gmail dot com. But there, are, we will do a uh, a Patreon episode where we watch through Sadie Hawkins. No, sorry, through through. Pink Tux to the Prom. In Love with the 80s. In Love with the 80s fan music videos. But I just want to say, go check out Cappy Loff. K-A-P-P-I-E-L-O-F-F. Go check out their particular fan music video. It's only got 64 views. It's from 12 years ago. And this is the Max Res, Max Res default. <laughs> I saved it. Oh, no! It's... Uh, <laughs> It's someone got hit by a Nissan, I think. I think it's a Nissan. Maybe it's Is this a... a music video for In Love with the 80s? Yeah, this is someone's music video. And like the frame that it happened to catch, I guess, is a moment where they get hit by a car. Are they doing a Donnie As Darko a joke? Thing? Maybe. Like... Do you want to actually watch this video right now on the sure. channel? I mean, on the channel. On the uh, free episode? We will do that. Cappy. I didn't save the link. Cappy if it's good, lost. we might have to go back over it for the patrons where where you get the visuals as well. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so it starts with a little oh. Star Trek. Star Wars. So it starts with a little Star Trek style opening where Obi-Wan Kenobi is gonna... Some actors appearing and oh, I can't read it all. Okay, let's see. In a small town far, far away, Danny, two men compose a film. that because Disney's coming after us. <laughs> Epic proportions. This is a film not to defend a heart. Leave now if you're mortally wounded during the making of this movie. Some of the, It's really hard to read because it's actually angled too high up compared to actual Star Wars opening credits. Right. So here's Cappy Last Video. So it's someone's back, and then they're dancing. They got their butt. They're, they're just shaking wear- their booty. Yeah, they're uh, wearing- at the camera. Oh, they turned around. They're wearing some very mid '90s clothes. To be honest, yep. they're dressed like mid '90s skater kids. But they've got a, a faux, um, a faux filter on it to make it look like it's old. And now they're oh, fake got- piercing their yep. ear. At, at home and he drew a mustache on his face this is just a literal another literal teen video where they're just reenacting every lyric so where's the car running over section so there he goes out his window it's everything you expect oh, oh. driving fast because they never did a thing oh. slow it showed someone screaming and it cut to them being run over by the car yep 
Oh my gosh! And then there's a girl, a girl just dragged, dragged a boy. And wouldn't let him go and dragged him down the, the hill. <laughs> and there's and like they found some tears for fears sign. It looks like they printed it and like stuck it to a thing. Why did they show like a guy with a must? They found like on Google Images yeah. or whatever it would have been 15 years ago a pink tux. Um, an older gentleman with a massive mustache and beard wearing a pink tux and a like top hat or something. This seems like it was edited, it filmed with a lot of different camera types of cameras, like webcams and right. little cameras, and there's a lot of like video toaster effects in this. They're doing the, the, oh, a lot the of dance different... with the from Breakfast Club. It's cute. Now they're actually eating eating. Uh, cereal. There's multiple aspect ratios, so I feel like they really did use, they probably used a couple of different types of cameras. Oh, I don't know. One kid just threw uh, something (laughs) and hit another one in the face. Now there's running around in the woods and I'm not sure what's happening. Oh, now a guy in a hockey mask is hunting them. Not a hockey mask, but a monster mask. Oh, well. Just another bored teen video. Very nice. Giving it a thumbs up right now. There you go, Capuloff. And a subscription. And I'm going to subscribe oh, to your Danny. YouTube channel. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, they apparently went on a mission trip to Colombia in 2012 because there's a six-minute video about Not that. Not Mexico? No, and then they apparently... Like the famous B.O.B. song? Oh, maybe they didn't go to Colombia. But there's a picture of a lot of children in another country i think i don't know whatever <laughs> but then it says columbia multiple years and maybe they're in columbia in new york like the university <laughs> what <laughs> what uh, Here's okay <laughs> columbia university is a yeah. university right yes it is you got that correct darling so here is uh, a video from that same from the same youtube channel it's pretty close to our interests this is called high-fiving george nope high-fiving john foreman i want to see somebody high-five george foreman instead i want to see george foreman become the new lead singer of switchfoot so that (laughs) i don't sound like i'm constantly making an ass of myself this is called high-fiving john foreman it's an 11 second video from this same Cappy Loman video or whatever it's called. Very cool. So John Foreman is on stage and they just go up and touch his hand while yeah. he's like praising and worshiping. You know, John Foreman got off the stage and started walking through the crowd. Yeah. And then all the kids are like, yeah, and they're high fiving him and stuff. Nice. I did something like that when uh, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones were playing in 2000 and probably would have been 2003. They were playing in New Hampshire. I went to see them with Five Bucks and that's the name of the band, Five Bucks and Kicked in the Head opening, both New Hampshire ska bands. Um, They were opening and... At the end of the show, because it was a it was a small, large venue. It was like a it was not a tiny venue. It was probably like five hundred people. 
it was actually a it was a small casino ballroom, like a very wow. small casino in New Hampshire and a very small ballroom, not like a full size resort casino thing, not like a Morongo or something, a very small casino. And Foxwoods. <laughs> no, it was much, much, much smaller than that. But uh, Dickie Barrett, at the end of the show, gets off the stage directly into the crowd and, and like finishes off the last song. And then he just walks around the crowd high-fiving people. And I was following. I couldn't get a high-five from him. I was like, I want a high-five from him so bad. I'm like, please now, before you have a bad COVID response, I want to get a high-five from you uh, 17 years before that. Did you get the high-five? I did. I was one of the last ones. But I was like constant Because he's just kind of like going through the motions of going through the crowd. I thought maybe you were walking behind him also with your hand up. Like, hey, give me a high-five I kept trying to get in in front of him. But then he would break off into a different direction than I thought. You've been a lot less cringy since we met. But then we started this podcast and I was like, I'll I'll show you. I'll show you who can get cringy. So one cover that definitely did not exist when we first started this podcast is Sparrow Sleeps. Oh, that's right. Jessica, get used to this because yeah. we will be playing this for young baby boy. We I just realized <laughs> people have been asking, we'll announce the name when he's born we don't we feel like we don't want to say it before he's born do you hear that boy here i'm putting the bluetooth by jessica's belly yes do you hear that (laughs) do you like our podcast son do you enjoy listening to this? I can't imagine you do. He just likes our voices, I think. <laughs> nice. Beautiful. Yes, we'll be hearing a lot of that. And just because it's not marketed as... Uh, Lullaby music doesn't mean we can't play the Vitamin String Quartet. Oh, yeah. But here's the Vitamin String Quartet. We probably played this on the original episode. Um, Also, I found out that the Vitamin String Quartet does not specifically, they did not create the score for Bridgerton. They just had a lot of their songs licensed for Bridgerton. I literally thought that Vitamin String Quartet was hired to perform the score for Bridgerton. No. Gotcha. It was pre-existing Vitamin String Quartet songs all over the Bridgerton soundtrack. So here is their version of In Love With The 80s. Pink Tux to the ball. <laughs> Still can't believe after all these years that that's not MIDI because <laughs> I always thought it sounded like MIDI, but it's not. 
So uh, here is absolutely like the best ever. I do not think we found this originally. Here is like the most rock awesome cover of In Love with the 80s Pink Tux to the Prom I have ever found. This is the School of Rock Cleveland East. This is uploaded by Bogmon, B-O-G-O, sorry, yeah, B-O-G-O-M-O-N. This is uploaded eight years ago. It only has 18 views, and it is definitively the very best cover of this song you will ever hear. And here it is. so much it sounds so good this is definitively the best version of this song (laughs) i love love that it's a female singer i love that they're so janky (laughs) do you hear that son if you want to be a rocker you can be a rocker yes son you can have an electric guitar just like your old man dad i'm asking about getting a job a gig son in rock and roll it's called a gig so, I watch a lot of Simpsons now. It's basically all I watch. Is I re I watch seasons 3 through 8 or 9. The fir- you know what? A lot of people have different opinions on when the Simpsons begin to uh slip. It's the episode where to me, it's the episode where Mr. Burns and Homer get stuck inside the snow-bound cabin. Mm-hmm. It's the first season. It's the first episode of the classic seasons that I don't have. I don't find a single laugh. I think that's the first bad episode. I think that's the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. Well, speaking of the beginning of the end, Danny, <laughs> do you like this song more, less, or the same? Uh, you know what? I think I just like it the same. I think I like it more because how could I not like it more every time I hear it? Um, you gotta have a cap, right? Like, can you can you love the eighty? Now, I love you 
more and more every day we're together. Like when I think of the love that I felt for you the year we got married, garbage. That wasn't real love. Like, yes, I was loving you with all of my heart, but I didn't know what real love was until now. And 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I'll look back at the love I had for you in 2023 and I'll be like useless, pointless. But right now, the love I have for you is bigger than it's ever been before. You okay there? Yes. Is the love you have for the 80s as big as it was when you first heard this song? Well, I don't know. Now you've really got me questioning (laughs) myself, Dan. (laughs) Are you truly in love with the 80s? Are you just strongly in like with the 80s? Oh, man. Are we talking about the 80s or this song? (laughs) (laughs) This cover is by Ginger Bones from four years ago. Um, you got some ginger in those bones. Oh, you mean my DNA? Technically, I have redhead people yes. in my family. Yes. <laughs> but what if our sons are redhead? A little bit more beard. You might because we both have. You'll be blonde. I'll we be. Both. I'll have black hair. I'll be. I'll be brunette. You'll we, be blonde, and our son will be a redhead. Yeah. Everyone's gonna look at we us. We both have like, ginger jeans. Yeah, we both have ginger jeans. <laughs> We're gonna be. <laughs> this is the future liberals want. If I try to dye my hair any other color than it is, it just turns red. <laughs> My mom's does the same thing. Well, it's hilarious because I didn't realize this, but like my parents both have have the exact same hair color. And I mean, now they're older, so it's great. But I mean, when I was younger, my parents had literally the exact same hair color and they both have blue eyes. But I have like green eyes that change to yellow sometimes. I'm the only person in my immediate family that has curly hair. Everyone would look at me and be like, why do you have curly hair? I thought your sister straightened her hair. Yeah, but she doesn't have curly, frizzy hair like me. Yeah, you get it from Mama, though. Yes, Mama did have curly hair, but also my grandfather on my Irish side had mm. curly hair. Like, we saw pictures of him, and everyone was like, that's where Danny gets it from. And I'm like, if you say so. <laughs> that is the most Danny statement I've ever heard. <laughs> if you say so. If you say so. Well, anyway, thanks very much. So, Jessica... Anything else you want to say about the 80s? I feel like in our original episode, we did, didn't we do some 80s games and we stuff? Did, did, we did, we yeah. did, yeah. So I figured we did it over there and that we'd do a little more, you know, to the song this yeah. time. Go check out episode 15 and see how much worse we've gotten as podcasters <laughs> after three years. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and healthy out there. 